but of power and love and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed. That was Paul's admonition to Timothy. And there's a good chance he might say the same thing to us. Do not be ashamed. Now, I would imagine that most of us have some things we are ashamed of, things we'd rather not talk about. And while we do understand that if we've been forgiven, there's no need to be ashamed about our past, we still have a hard time letting go of shame. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. In fact, I think it'll surprise you, maybe even shock you, to discover what it is he was admonishing Timothy to not be ashamed of. Let's read on and see what it is. We're in 2 Timothy, first chapter, verses 8 through 11. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death And brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Now why would Timothy be ashamed of our Lord or of Paul? And what does it mean when he says not to be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord? Does it mean testimony about him or the testimony he gave? Was Paul referring to the facts of Jesus' life and death and resurrection or to his teaching, what he said? You know, some would make a case for one or the other. I really see no big difference bottom line is that Paul is saying, don't be ashamed of Jesus or your allegiance to him. Don't be ashamed of the fact that he is your Lord and Savior and do not let your behavior give the impression that you are. Now, in 67 AD, there may have been some justification for shame. Jesus had been on the front page. He had been a condemned man, the object of public scorn and ridicule. And he'd been crucified for his outlandish claims and his refusal to conform. To identify with him was to risk the same scorn and ridicule to which he had been subjected. So a reticence to boldly declare your allegiance to him might be understandable in the first century. But who ridicules Jesus today? You know, the percentages sadly are going down, but the majority of Americans still believe that Jesus was the Son of God. 
According to a 2016 Rasmussen phone survey, 77% of American adults believe Jesus Christ was the Son of God sent to earth to die for our sins. Now, obviously, they don't all understand the implications of such belief, but at least they recognize who he is. And his impact on the world for 2,000 years is unquestioned. Even our calendars testify to his greatness. So why are we so hesitant to make public our commitment to him? Why do we talk about everything except the most important person in our life? That timidity is certainly not from God. Can it be that the deceiver has planted insecurities in our mind to silence us and to curtail our effectiveness in society? I think so. I think so. I think Satan has given us an irrational sense of shame about our Lord, a spirit of timidity when it comes to the things of God. So we turn out the light. We turn our faith in Christ into a private, personal thing and are very hesitant to discuss it in public. We allow the pluralistic mindset of today to silence us. And we let the postmodern view that there are no universal truths keep us from sharing what we know to be the truth. I think Paul's right. The spirit of timidity has silenced us. And God has not given us that spirit. God has given us a spirit of power and love and discipline. And Paul admonished Timothy to use it and to not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of him, his prisoner. Now, we can understand why someone might not want to admit they're associated with someone in prison for immoral activity. But if they're prisoners of conscience, surely they would glory in that. Who wouldn't be proud to have a close personal relationship with someone in prison for preaching the gospel, for refusing to buckle under to government censorship? Paul rightly encouraged Timothy to be proud of him He wasn't Nero's prisoner. He was the Lord's prisoner. He was in prison because of his allegiance to Jesus Christ. There was no reason for Timothy to be ashamed of him. In fact, Paul encouraged him to join with him in suffering for the gospel. He encouraged Timothy to lay hold of the power of God and to share in his suffering. To let God give him the courage to take a stand with him and to face the consequences, whatever they might be. After all, he reminded him he has saved us and has called us with a holy calling. We share salvation, he said to Timothy, and we share the same purpose in life. We share God's call to a holy, separated life, and as preachers, we share a commitment to declaring the gospel without shame. We don't boast about our position in the kingdom or our standing before God because he saved us and called us according to his own purposes 
and according to his grace. We did nothing to deserve the privilege of becoming Christians or ministers of the gospel, but we certainly have something to boast about in the gospel. God's eternal plan for bringing sinful mankind into relationship with himself has now been revealed with the appearance of Jesus Christ, and through him, death has been abolished. Eternal separation from God is no longer every man's sentence. Through Christ, in the good news he declared, the possibility of life and immortality has come to light. Paul had been appointed a preacher to declare the gospel, an apostle to represent Christ on earth, and a teacher to instruct believers in the way of life. Why would anyone be ashamed of that? Why would anyone be ashamed of the gospel or of the Lord or of our allegiance to him or his faithful servants? Now, obviously, we do have reason to be ashamed of unfaithful servants. Those who practice immoral behavior or prey on innocent children. Recent revelations about clergy abuse in the church give us all reason to be ashamed because they're seen as representatives of our Lord and the church. But Timothy had no reason to be ashamed, and neither did Paul. Reading on. For this reason, I also suffered these things, but I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who indwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Paul recognized that the suffering he was experiencing was a result of his faith and his commitment to ministry, to speaking out, to preaching the truth, even when people didn't want to hear it. He realized that since he was in a Roman dungeon, most people would write him off as a common criminal, but he was not ashamed of his lot in life because he had a clear conscience before God And he knew his Lord was pleased. Even though he was the subject of scorn and rejection by men, he knew that the Lord wouldn't abandon him. And that ultimately, his name would be cleared. He was confident that one day he would hear, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Now what gave him that assurance. It was his personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He said, I know whom I have believed. It was his personal knowledge of Jesus and his daily walk with him that gave Paul the assurance that there was no need for shame in his life. He knew Jesus. And he was convinced that he would guard what he had entrusted to him until that day. 
Now, what is it that he had entrusted to Jesus for safekeeping on Judgment Day? He doesn't say. It could be his salvation, his reputation, his rewards, his ministry. It could be anything that he entrusted to Jesus for safekeeping, or better yet, it was everything. The bottom line was that he had complete confidence in the fact that Jesus would not let him down, that Jesus loved him and valued him and would accept him. So it didn't matter what the world thought of him. He had no need to be ashamed. Because his Lord wasn't ashamed of him. And Timothy had no reason to be ashamed of him either. Timothy could therefore confidently follow in his footsteps. He could build his ministry around the framework of sound words, sound teaching he had heard from Paul. And he could preach and teach with the same faith and love that had motivated Paul, even if the message wasn't well received through the power of the Holy Spirit he could be faithful to the gospel that had been entrusted to him and he could find the courage to speak out to declare the truth to be a witness for Christ even if it meant he too would end up a prisoner for the Lord's sake indeed there is no need for shame if you're doing what the Lord has called you to do. No matter how it ends up, no matter who turns away from you, because the Lord will not forsake you. And even though it may not seem like it, God will not leave you without someone to be a source of comfort and encouragement to you. He made sure Paul had Onesiphorus. This is interesting, 15 through 18. You are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phagellus and Hermogenes. The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when in Rome he eagerly searched for me and found me, the Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know very well what services he rendered at Ephesus. Now when Paul said, all who are in Asia turned away from me, it had to be a bit of an exaggeration. Timothy was in Asia. Ephesus was the capital of the Roman province of Asia Minor, and Timothy obviously had not turned away from Paul, and I'm certain there were others. But Paul felt as if everyone had abandoned him. And when we're let down by those we really count on, we do feel like everyone has let us down. Paul singled out Phagellus and Hermogenes. We know nothing of them except that they turned away from Paul in his time of need. What a legacy. How would you like to be remembered in Scripture for turning your back on the Apostle Paul? 
Again, who they are, we don't know. They may have been members of the church in Ephesus who had traveled to Rome to be with Paul, Christian brothers who Paul thought would stick with him through thick and thin. They may have even been men of influence or authority who could have been good character witnesses for Paul before the Roman authorities, but they turned their backs on him. They didn't want to risk getting involved. Apparently others did the same, so much so that Paul felt totally abandoned until he remembered Onesiphorus. He had often refreshed Paul in body and spirit. He wasn't ashamed of Paul's chains. In fact, he had even gone to Rome and searched throughout the dungeons to find him. What a sense of encouragement he was to Paul. And Paul was very grateful for all he had done. But since he was in no position to repay Onesiphorus' kindness, he prayed that God would, that he would be rewarded eternally for what he had done, and that his entire family would be blessed of the Lord for what he had done. Indeed, when you repay someone who refreshes you and stands by you, when it seems like the whole, whole world is ashamed of you, how can you repay them? You can't. It's such an encouragement. Such an encouragement when you get that feeling that everyone has forgotten who you are. And someone stands by you. You say, wow, that changes everything. How do you reward them? You just thank God for them. You thank God for them. And then you let... Let them renew your resolve to never be ashamed of the Lord or what you do for him. To never forget that he too is faithful and that he will never forsake you or let your work for him come to nothing, even though it may seem to be failing at the moment. There's no need to ever be ashamed of our Lord, of sharing the truth he has revealed, or doing what his word instructs you to do, even if it violates political correctness and alienates you from co-workers and fellow students or neighbors, even if your friends, even if your Christian friends forsake you for being too narrow or enthusiastic or outspoken, if you're doing what the Lord has instructed you to do, there's no need to be ashamed. On the other hand, if you are ignoring your revealed responsibilities, paralyzed by a spirit of timidity, you should feel ashamed. God has given us a spirit of power and love and discipline, not a spirit of timidity. And his grace can make us strong enough and brave enough to be the witnesses he has sent us into the world to be. To have the courage to stand up for Jesus and never be ashamed of him or of those who faithfully serve him.